Welcome back to 970 WDAY. Welcome back to 970 WDAY. I'm Thomas Beadle filling in today for Rob Port here on the Rob Report this afternoon. Rob's traveling to Grand Forks today, getting ready for the North Dakota Petroleum Conference uh, annual meeting going on there today through Thursday at the Alara Center. He's speaking there tomorrow morning, and he was nice enough to ask me to step in for him today, and I was happy to do so. Uh, don't worry, though. He'll be back tomorrow, so you won't have to deal with me for long. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Thomas Beadle. I'm a state representative here in South Fargo, representing District 27, along with Representatives Randy Baining and Senators John Casper. Um, I've been in since two, 2010 um, here, serving in the North Dakota House of Representatives, serving on uh, Industry, Business, and Labor Committee, Political Subs Committee, Higher Education Funding Committee, um, all those fun things. If you'd like to get involved today and participate, call us at 293-9000, 888-970-9329, or you can email or text us at talk at wday.com. Look forward to having a good show today. Uh, we'll be speaking with Jonathan Holt, president and CEO of the Downtown Community Partnership here in Fargo. They've got an upcoming downtown conference taking place here in Fargo in a couple of weeks. Tickets are available now, and it'll be a worthwhile event. So please, please be sure to listen in, find out more about that event. We'll have to talk about the, the ongoing controversy within the NFL uh, in regards to the flag and, and players taking a knee and some of the reactions to that. Uh, more players took a stand last night. That conversation and that controversy continues. Uh, President weighed in again today on Twitter. So we're going to have to talk about that a bit. I know Rob covered it pretty heavily yesterday, but uh, as the news keeps going, we have to keep con- talking about it. And then also we have an interesting bit of news coming out of our university system uh, yesterday and today, uh, so we're going to have to talk about that too. Um, first, though, uh, if you were listening to the last show, uh, Sandy Buttweiler is, is going on to new endeavors, and I just want to take a quick moment to comment on that. Uh, I'm 30 years old. I've grown up in this, this community for a long time, and Sandy's been a fixture on the radio for my entire life. So I want to wish her luck. Uh, congratulate her on all the success here at WDAY. Um, I know she's she's done a tremendous job in our community, and I know it's closing closing down one door and, and opening up another and moving on to a new venture is always a, a tough thing to do, but we wish her luck. Uh, we know she'll be successful, and we know she'll have fun, and uh, really thank you, Sandy, for everything that she's done for this community. If you've been following along with our university system lately, the the Bismarck Tribune and the Fargo Forum reported last night, uh, our chancellor, Mark Haggart, is calling for an investigation into political attempts made to manipulate his office. I I took an interest to this one right away. Uh, As I mentioned, I serve on the Higher Education Funding Committee. I know Chancellor Mark Haggart. I've I've met him a a number of times discussing a variety of issues, uh, and he has some concerns. He is... Caught up in a little bit of a, a storm last week. It, was, it came to light that he had fired uh, Vice Chancellor uh, Lisa Feldner without cause is how it was reported. However, there was, there was a number of instances uh, that he says alleged to her ouster, including some of the, the language she used in talking to staff and uh, uh, aura of intimidation that she was putting out there. And, and really, he felt that there was a, a need for her to go and, and no longer be involved in the system office. And as chancellor, that's, that's certainly well within his right and, and responsibility to do that. Um, but now she took some shots at him on the way out. And as any employee who gets fired typically does, uh, you don't always go out on nice terms. You don't always go out with, with your lips sealed and, and only having sweet things to say about the guy who just, just terminated you. And so... 
that's to be expected. But the chancellor didn't really take it very well. The, he, he came back and he says that now he, that Lisa is part of a, a systemic problem where they've been trying to discredit him and discredit his office. And now he's calling for a formal investigation of what he says is a political attempt to influence his office. And he's going back to the most recent gubernatorial election, back in, in Governor Burgum's election, in particular back to when he endorsed in June, uh, or when Ed, when Ed Schaefer, then president of, of North, uh, University of North Dakota, interim president, when Ed endorsed Doug Burgum in the primary over the GOP party nominee, uh, Attorney General Wayne, Wayne Stengel. And as can be expected, whenever you have a political insider like Wayne, uh, who who has you know, a number of people heavily involved in the legislature and involved in the Capitol building. If you have somebody within government, which Schaefer at the time was a, a government employee as a university assistant president, and presidents are supposed to be apolitical and stay out of things. When you have somebody like that stepping out and do something, you're going to have some pushback. There were some legislators who apparently met with the chancellor, tried to get him to intervene, say something, get involved in this process, uh, try to come out and, and, and say, hey, we don't like this. You need to, to stop this. You need to silence Ed, uh, not do anything that's going to harm Wayne, uh, not going to harm our party guy, um, and make sure that the president of this university is not putting his, his foot into the political arena again. We all know Ed Schaefer as, as a past governor, a tremendously successful governor, heavy political figure in this state. Obviously, Ed is has a full right to express himself, express his opinion, but people didn't think that was very proper to do, given the current position he was maintaining. So now Mark, because he, Chancellor Hagrid, because he is being slandered by an ex-employee he just fired, because he is, is personally taking some of the insults that she has leveled against him, uh, where he's you know, militaristic, where he's against, you know, really heavy-handed uh, in some of the stuff that he's doing. It goes back to a, a performance review that Hagrid had showing that he was very simple, one-track focused in, in all of his duties and everything he was following through with, uh, really only focusing on cybersecurity and nothing else within the university system, which honestly, there's a little truth to that. Uh, he did, has, sometimes has some issues delegating and, and pivoting away from that. But because he feels like he's personally insulted and slamming and, and having to go and defend himself from all of these things, he now wants us as taxpayers to pay for an independent investigation to try to make it so that he, he looks like a good guy. And don't worry, he didn't step in and, and interject himself into politics. He's saying that people were trying to pressure him, were trying to get him to silence Ed, but he is such a good guy, he didn't do it. And I have no problem with the fact that he didn't silence Ed. That's fine. But why on earth does he think that we need to spend taxpayer resources to investigate something that happened in June of 2010 that was just somebody saying, hey, do say something, and he says no, and now he wants us to, to step in and pay for this just to make him look like a good guy, but not because there's, any, there's no scandal, there's nothing going on. He just wants to get some good PR. That's irresponsible to me. I don't think we should do that. I'd be interested in your thoughts. 293-9000. We'll be back after the break. 
to the Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. Thomas Beadle again filling in here for Rob Fort this afternoon. Uh, during the break, I was reading through some more on this, this Chancellor Haggard situation. I tell you, it, there's people that are digging in. If you've ever read meanread.com, it's mostly a, a pretty snarky former uh, reporter here in the state who just likes to, to throw some pot shots out there every now and then. But he's now digging into some of the things from Chancellor's former uh, performance review back in 2016 and, and something that the board kind of gave him some tips to work on. They Apparently they had a survey of some staff members and, and some of the stuff, you know, he's a, he's a military man, but some of these things are, are common. So that if they're proven true or, or a little uh, not, not very becoming. Uh, to the man, supposedly one of the things he says he, quote, told unmarried staff they would never get anywhere without a good man in their life, uh, referring to female staff as girls, that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I've my interactions with Mark have all been pleasant. Um, I, I know him as being a fairly nice, genuine guy. But I think that, you know, he has he has the the responsibility as chancellor to look after our system. Make sure that he's running this billion-dollar organization across our state university system, uh, all 11 institutions, campuses, all the presidents, all their budgets, everything, to make sure that he runs them and runs them well and does a good job with that. They've had some good successes. They've done done a good job across the board, but he needs to make sure he gets some follow-through. It's not just military. We don't just have the chain of command around here, and I think he's learning that. I think he's doing a good job, but... If, uh, if this whole, you know, wanting an independent investigation thing shows that he, this might show he needs to grow a little thicker skin and, and maybe he still has some more learning to do. But I'll be interested to see more of this as it keeps coming out. Speaking of, you know, seeing more stuff continue to, to come out and progress, the controversy regarding players kneeling during the Pledge of Allegiance and the flag continues to grow. Had some an interesting conversation with someone this morning about this because more players did this last night. If you watch the Cowboys and Cardinals game, the Cowboys players and coaches and owner Jerry Jones all took a kneel during the national uh, a knee during the national anthem. The Cardinals players all locked arms, including with some service members in the end zone, um, all as a show of unity. They announced over the PA system before the pledge was started that the players and coaches were. Uh, taking or linking arms as a show of unity against the uh, as, as to promote equality and you know fight against injustice it wasn't they weren't announcing you know that they're they're fighting the flag that they're protesting the president just that they're promoting unity equality um, trying to, to show togetherness within this country and honestly I think we, we need to look back there, there's all sorts of sides in this the flag kneeling debate. And if we look back to when this started, Colin Kaepernick, about a year ago or so, started off as an individual who was taking a knee because he says there were systemic problems about racism in our country. He was looking at incarceration rates, poverty rates, the fact that you have players or, or that you have individuals across our country who they perceive because of their race are not necessarily given the most fair treatment. 
or not being put on an equal playing field. And he wanted to take a stand and use kind of the one podium that he had to just shine a light and say, hey, there are some problems in the country that need to be addressed. It wasn't against the troops. And if you remember back last year, he had some soldiers, some retired military personnel, some police officers who would stand next to him on the sideline with with their hands on his shoulder and stuff during some of the times that he would kneel as kind of a show of support that, you know, I them basically saying, I don't necessarily agree with, with what you're saying, but I'll fight to my death for your right to do it. Uh, the whole free speech argument. And I think that's been, been lost. Uh, as we continue on with this debate, as we continue on with us, what's going on, uh, I thought found it interesting. Uh, obviously, the president made some comments in Alabama over the weekend uh, about how players are trying to disrespect the flag and disrespect America. Senator Ben Sass, a Republican senator from Nebraska, tweeted out uh, over the weekend saying, players, uh, remember that you know the flag is, is more than any of you, but what President Trump is trying to do is trying to divide us with him on one side standing with the flag and you on the other. And as this has played out, as more and more people have, have started to take a knee, that's what the effect has ended up being. Whether you support players taking an E or not, it has been Trump and the flag on one side and the players on the other. And the whole debate about race and all that has, has really been lost. Um, and it's, I, I don't know what the end game is here. I really don't. Uh, and so it's, I, I don't, I mean, we, right now we have Jerry Jones, we have the billionaire owners who are now starting to side with the players. These are people who gave millions of dollars to Trump. So it's going to be really curious to see where, where this goes. Um, let's check in. Steven, we got you on line one. Steven, how are you doing today? Yeah, I think it's going to go the same way Colin Kaepernick went. Well, how so? Do you think that all the players are going to be kicked out of the NFL? Well, no, I just think that people are going to quit watching. I'm never going to turn it on again. Well, I'm never going to buy a jersey again. I'm never going to buy memorabilia again. And I know there's literally hundreds of thousands of people that do that. And when their revenue drops 10% or things like that start changing, this is all about the almighty dollar. Oh, that's it. And here's the other thing I want to stress, and I can't stress it enough. Everyone has a right to protest on their own time. They're getting paid by someone else. You don't protest on somebody else's time. Absolutely. And I, and I get that. And, Stephen, thank you. I appreciate the call. I think you're right. Everything does go back to the almighty dollar. Um, but at the same time, it takes a long time for uh, the, anyone stopped watching the NFL for that money to trickle back down to the players, uh, for that to trickle down to the owners. That, that's a multi-billion-dollar industry. It'll take a while for them to feel any sort of a hit, uh, but they'll certainly feel it at some point. All right, we'll be back after the break here with Jonathan Holt from Downtown Community Partnerships. Stick around. Welcome back to AM 970 WDAY and the Rob Report. Once again, this is Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob this afternoon. I'm pleased to have now uh, Jonathan Holt, President and CEO of the Downtown Community Partnership here in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, on the air. Jonathan, welcome. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. You guys have some exciting things going on uh, over at the Downtown Community Partnership. You're doing a lot of awesome stuff here in downtown Fargo, and you're really the lead advocate for that group. 
and and really yeah. for for all the downtown businesses and downtown property owners. So I know one of the things you have going on is a is the De- North Dakota Downtown Conference. And we're hosting it this year here in Fargo, that in, in uh, October seventeenth and eighteenth. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is, I believe, it's the seventh year of this conference, uh, and it's uh, it started in Bismarck a few years back and was held there for the first few years, and now this is the second year that we'll be hosting it here in downtown Fargo. Um, and real, really, it's just a great way to learn about sort of all things downtown uh, and what's happening in cities across our state. Uh, so it's an exciting time to network with uh, people uh, people from all sides of cities across the state that are working on improving their downtowns in a number of different areas. We've got some great keynote speakers and breakout sessions lined up for two uh, two real great days kind of jam-packed with programming and opportunities to network and learn. So we're really excited about hosting it again this year and hope we get lots of people to, to come out. Well, and, it, and, and Jonathan, I know one of the big things that the people are looking forward to and one of the big conversations that's been affecting downtown has been this, the Governor Burgum's Main Street Initiative. And yeah, I know, yeah, absolutely. And I know um, you have the governor as the closing speaker for this conference. So what sort of things are you looking to hear from him? Well, we're, I think, you know, as you mentioned, people are, uh, people got really excited during the campaign about, um, you know, about a, a governor candidate that, that really was excited about downtowns. And that was, you know, one of the things that the governor talked about during the campaign and since the campaign is the Main Street Initiative and really, uh, I think since then, there's been a lot of people um, that are excited about it, but are sort of wondering what's next with it. So we've got an update from the governor's office as the closing keynote for that address um, or for that conference. So uh, I think we'll hear sort of um, what's what's the latest on that initiative. Um, what are the plans for, for the coming years with it? Um, how does it affect not just Fargo, but small towns across the state in terms of being able to to strengthen their main streets. So uh, we're really excited about about what we're going to hear from the governor's office, and I think there's a lot of other people that are really anticipating that keynote as well. Well, and I think that's really one of the big things, too. When you're looking at the Main Street Initiative and, and all the work that Governor Burgum did through Kilbourne Group and the Kilbourne mm-hmm. Group continues to do, is we can all look to downtown Fargo. We can look towards the Renaissance Zone and the success uh, that has happened in Fargo in terms of taking some of these really blighted properties and turning them around. You're in your business is in one of them, Toasted Frog. Um, you're in yep. one of these buildings that really was nothing uh, a few years right. back, and and now has got you know a vibrant business there that attracts customers, foot traffic. I mean, it brings a whole different dynamic to that area of town. Um, but really, the the tr- the trick is. How can we replicate Fargo and take the successes that our downtown has seen and extrapolate that to the rest of the state? Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I think, you know, when, when we talk about the Renaissance Zone, um, you know, we sort of hear about the success of the Renaissance Zone in Fargo quite a bit because it's been out in the media. There's been a lot of work done with it. Um, but I think a lot of people wonder, well, how does that apply to my hometown? So we've actually, during the conference, we have a panel um, a panel discussion as a part of the conference that'll that'll feature people from across the state in cities of all sizes uh, that have successfully used the Renaissance Zone program. Uh, you know, cities like Bowman and Langdon and Watford City. So not your you know the big cities that you normally think of in North Dakota, but but smaller towns that have really used those programs successfully 
So hopefully, you know, people can come and listen and, and think about how they can go and, and apply those those principles and that activity to their downtown and, and really make it something that is, is useful for the core of their city for many years to come. Well, and that's, I mean, it's fantastic to hear that. And it's fantastic to see some of these examples, because one of the things that people look at when they look at Fargo and they see the success of Kilbourne Group, and they've done a tremendous amount of good, but a lot of people might be be looking at that and they'll say, well, that's great. But you have a, an individual who's now governor who had a tremendous fortune from his Microsoft days and his great plain software days. Uh, and so he was able to to really spend a lot of money um, on some of these properties, mm-hmm. on some of these projects, get a lot of tax credits in return. But not every not every city has a Doug Burgum. Not every community has uh, a, an individual with that level of wealth who can really invest in their downtown. And I think it's really important to get the message out there that our Renaissance Zone areas and our, our downtown communities are not reliant on any one individual or one group, but really have you know lessons and cores that can be can be taught and learned that can really help them all grow regardless of their situation. Right. And, you know, I can speak from a small business owner's perspective on this in in terms of the Renaissance Zone. You know, those first few years out of the gate when you start a small business are really the critical years, and they're going to determine whether or not um, you're going to make it or not. Uh, It's really, you know, most small businesses, uh, if they don't make it, they fail relatively quickly. So a program like the Renaissance Zone and what it can do for igniting small businesses in all different size cities, uh, it's really invaluable, uh, and it and it really speaks to um, the ability to add to the tax base for many years to come. So uh, the pro the Renaissance Zone program has been very successful, and and we just want to be able to make sure that people can see how that can apply in their city, regardless of the size of their city in the state of North Dakota. Fantastic. Now you guys have some other stuff going on the downtown community partnership as well. I know you've, you're promoting Open Sundays coming up here in a couple of weeks in terms of, you know, making sure that people know that we have businesses open across uh, our downtown core that, you know, are open yeah. for retail, open for, for business and, and restaurants and everything, and really driving some more of that weekend traffic. Uh, yeah. you know, what else do you guys have going on, and, and what's making downtown so attractive? Well, you know, we've always got a lot of events that are happening uh, in downtown Fargo. You mentioned the, mentioned the open, on, open on Sundays. Um, you know, just trying to get the word out that that we do have businesses downtown that are open on Sundays, uh, and there are things to do um, on Sunday in downtown Fargo. But as we get into the holiday season, we've got plenty of programming that's happening, you know, starting with the Holiday Lights Parade, which is always a big thing for downtown Fargo and for the community as a whole. Uh, so that's coming up on November 22nd. Um, so we're really excited about that. Uh, we're really excited just about We'll have a number of other events throughout the holiday season that'll try to bring people into downtown and showcase what we've got going on here. Uh, so, you know, go to our website, downtownfargo.com, and you will see a list of things that are happening. Uh, there's always tons of stuff to do in downtown Fargo, uh, especially during the holiday season. That's fantastic. And how about over at the Toasted Frog? You guys have been just making a killing over there, doing a great job. <laughs> Um, I know every time my wife and I go there, we always have a, a fantastic meal. What do you guys have going on uh, over at the Toasted Frog? Thanks. Yeah, no, we've we've loved being a part of the downtown Fargo community for sure. So, uh, you know, it's been the community's been so great to us. Um, a lot of people might not know that we recently, you know, just for a few months now, have been open for lunch in downtown Fargo. That's that was the first time out of any of our locations we've been open for lunch. So, that's been going well. So we've got a whole separate lunch menu for you to check out too. But um, 
we've just been thrilled to be a part of the downtown Fargo community. The neighbors have been so great. The community has been so supportive. So, um, you know, always there's always new specials and exciting things going on at the restaurant, too. Well, that's fantastic. And I know I mean, you guys started in Grand Forks. Uh, I know you have a Bismarck yep. location. I frequent that frequently during the legislative session. It's turned into one of the better uh, nighttime hangout spots for some legislators out there. So I appreciate you guys having that venue for us. And the, having lunch in downtown Fargo, that's a great, great uh, offering for you guys to have as well. So I'm excited about that, too. Thanks. Yeah, we've we've loved being a part of, you know, three different unique and dynamic cities in the state of North Dakota. We love that North Dakotans support locally owned businesses. So uh, it's been it's been a fun ride for us at the Toasted Frog, that's for sure. Fantastic. Well, Jonathan, thank you. Thank you for all you're doing at the Toasted Frog. Thank you for all you're doing at the Downtown Community Partnership. For more information on the Downtown Conference, uh, check out FargoDowntown.com. Go to NDDowntowns.com. Uh, for the, I'm sorry, it's downtownfargo.com, NDDowntowns.com. Both of those have information on the upcoming conference, as well as information on downtown Fargo and the downtown uh, Fargo Community Partnership. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to AM 970 here on WDAY. Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob Port here on the Rob Report. Had a couple of email texts come in. Uh, one clarified something I said before that last segment regarding the Cowboys and the Cardinals uh, with what they did last night. Uh, the Cowboys took a knee before the national anthem, but then uh, when the anthem started, they did stand up and lock arms. Uh, during the anthem itself, so they they didn't you know remain on their knee during the anthem, so so we you know certainly worth worth correcting that and making sure that they uh, their motivations and everything was clear out there. You know, the president tweeted out something here a little bit ago uh, or earlier this morning that you know certainly well within his right to do and and certainly understand where he's coming from on this. Uh, but essentially, he's put out there that the NFL should pass a rule and, and a requirement and insist that the players or that the teams require all the players to stand at attention during the flag. Now, I, I get that. The NFL is a private organization. They can certainly pass something that requires their employees to do that. Um, I stand at attention for the flag all the time. I, you know, I was taught growing up uh, and when I was playing sports that the reason why the national anthem is played, the reason why... Uh, we have that moment there and, and is to show that, you know, regardless of, you know, how divisive things get on the field, regardless of the, the name on the front of the jersey uh, or the name on the back of the jersey or the color of the jersey or anything, that you're, it's a, a reminder that you're playing a game and it's a reminder that there's, there's something, you know, greater than you and greater than the game that you're playing that should unite you all. So it's a reminder of civility a reminder of you know, getting out there and, and recognizing that there's far more to this country than just you know go, what we're seeing on the playing field. And so there certainly is, is reasons to be upset when you're looking at somebody you know, kneeling during the national anthem, especially those that have family members that have served, um, that, have, that have had people that you know, have, have shed blood for our country. There's certainly under, uh, an understandable reason for why they're upset for players kneeling. 
But at the same time, if you set the precedent that it's mandatory, if you set the precedent that when the, when the national anthem is being played and there's a flag up there, that you have to stand at attention and do that. Let's, let's, take the, let's extrapolate this to the extreme. What, if we passed a law that required you to stand at attention with your hand over your heart for the flag, and with, if you didn't, you were going to be cited and punished, I think that would be something that we would fundamentally have a problem with. It goes back to you know, the old veteran saying, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying, but I'll defend uh, to the death your right to say it and your right to do it. I mean, that's certainly, uh, you know, what I believe. We, you don't have to agree with them standing and, or kneeling during the flag. But this is starting to get out of control. To, to insinuate that we need to make it mandatory, uh, I know he's, uh, the, the president's just saying for uh, the organization to do that. But if, if it goes you know, beyond that, that's, that's starting to get problematic, and uh, we need to make sure that we watch out for that. Texter uh, texted in here a little bit ago. Uh, saying the flag is a symbol. When we look at the Olympics, we think of, and we see the flag at the Olympics, we think of America. We think of everything out, uh, with America, not just as veterans. Symbols mean different things to different people, and that in itself is the essence of free speech. And secondly, if owners of the teams aren't mad about the kneeling, uh, who cares? If this was a court case, it would matter. But when Jerry Jones kneels and reverses comments about fi- uh, firing players, then why are we so quick to take sides, um, even if the owners are fine with it? I mean, honestly, it's that's kind of where it's getting to. I, I remember up until last year, even last year, they didn't ever telecast the national anthem portion of it except for during playoff games. Now they're just doing it because people are talking about it. Prior to last year, they even last year, they would, they would telecast the games. If somebody did kneel during the national anthem, then as they were cutting in, they would say, uh, Jim Nance or whoever would say, just moments ago, this happened, and then they show a quick clip of whoever kneeling on the sideline without actually showing who it was uh, or, or you know, showing it live, and that would be about it. But this isn't something that we regularly did, and I think some of the stuff that came out, I think Rob was talking about it yesterday, this whole you know, ceremonial stuff requiring the players to be on the field anyways only started in, what, 09? Um, it was part of the Department of Defense money. They paid to have these big flags put on the field. They paid for the flyovers. I mean, they've spent millions of dollars into the NFL for them to do this, um, try to essentially to try to help increase recruitment. And so, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. And, and it, another texture just came in about, you know, when you're dealing with the national anthem, if we're talking about it being disrespectful to, to not kneel or, or to kneel and not stand at attention, could it also be disrespectful that at the end of the national anthem for you when you're going through and it says at the end of the end when it's in the home of the brave and we have you know people up at, at one university to the north going in the home of the Sioux and chanting that at the end and some people at the Fargo Dome doing home of the bison at the end. I mean, you're still changing the national anthem. You're, you're, you're still adjusting it. Uh, you know, how is that? different how is that different than you know people walking up and down the stairs slopping beer on one another was there during while the national anthem is being played i don't know I'd, let's i'd like to hear your thoughts two nine three nine thousand another text to write it writes in so can the owners of business write an employee's rule that must stand and salute the nazi flag or the confederate flag to play, displayed in that business um, or must the rule only be for the usa flag 
any laws or rules forcing, saluting anything goes against the First Amendment, against the idea of land of the free. Well, I mean, Brad, person who texted that in, I, I completely get that, understand that. Uh, but at the same time, if you're in, if you're in the business, if you're in uh, having employees do one thing, you have a little more control over that. But I, we can't really see this go too far. So it's it's going to be interesting. This debate's not going anywhere, and we got games coming up here two two nights from now, Thursday night. I'm sure we'll see some more demonstrations going on there as well. So uh, let's see how this ends. It's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. So this is Thomas Beetle sitting in for Rob Port here today on the Rob Report. Stick around. The Jay Thomas Show is next. Uh, Appreciate Rob for having me on, and you guys have a good rest of your day.